Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. All right. Man, this is uh, this is like groundbreaking stuff. This has never happened before in the in the Bear Grease podcast world doing a live podcast. So we are in uh, just outside of Bentonville, Arkansas, at the Black Bear Bonanza. So for all the people that are here live, we're gonna be we're gonna be yeah. There we go. We got we got a pretty good crowd here. Way, way more people than we thought we'd have. Yeah, <laughs> some of y'all got. We leave. love you all. Yeah, so we uh, this this podcast will go out on the Bear Grease platform here in a couple of weeks, as, as, assuming that these guys don't just say like ridiculous stuff <laughs> that makes me just like cancel the whole thing. So maybe you guys just get to hear it all on your own. I don't know. Um, we this has been so much fun. This is this event has been in the making for several years <laughs> yes yeah we were we were just about to pull the trigger on it two years ago mm. and uh i know most of you hillbillies don't get out much but there was a global pandemic <laughs> we didn't hear about it much here <laughs> but there was a global pandemic that uh kind of shut the world down and i think the event was planned for march it was the end of march 2020 so it was yeah and where were you then yeah yeah good timing 
So Perfect. we had this like identical event planned. Myron was going to come, and <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, we were going to have a live recording of what at that time was the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. So maybe I think it's better. I think we're all probably better than we were two years ago. Hopefully, yeah. Speak for yourself, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to introduce my guests, and each one of them are here for a very particular reason, and that reason will become clear maybe as we go further. Um, this is James Brandenburg. James is the lead man for the Arkansas chapter of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Yep. Hello, James. He's James has been Hello. emceeing today. And uh, James was on the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast with me several times, and uh, he always did. I like talking at James. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know how much that he says that it's like really profound. But I find when I'm within arm's reach of the guy that like I like talking at him. So uh, that's a big compliment, I, James. I feel like that basically what I am is just there as a wall for you to bounce things off of. Yeah. And you solve most of your own problems without hey, me intervening. To, to be, if I'm being honest with you, it, the first time we said guard the gate in the context of guarding the gate and, and predator hunting being the gate for the anti-hunting community to step into our space as North American hunters was when I was talking to James. And it was only after that that I was like, we got to guard the gate, guard the gate. And then since that time, you know, we've, we've talked more and more on that and, and built this idea that I think is catching on in the country is that we have an incredible, incredible thing in North America that nobody else has, which is this, this opportunity to hunt wildlife, to hunt on public lands. And we have the most successful wildlife management system of anywhere on planet earth in the history of planet earth. And the way that those who are, would be against us for whatever reason, the, the, the platform that they often target to enter into our beautiful space that works so well is through predator hunting and sometimes through bear hunting. And so I feel like our job is to tell the story of the bear hunter, give context to it. You know, why would somebody want to shoot a bear? We like bears. And, you know, our message is we love, we love bears more than anybody. We want bears to thrive more than anybody does. There's nobody on planet Earth that wants there to be more bears in Arkansas than me and Myron Means <laughs> and a bunch of you guys. And that's the truth. And, when, and it's, a, it's a difficult sell. It's a multi-step sell to convince someone with no history, no connection to hunting to say killing a bear is actually a good thing for the big picture. I mean, that's a multi-step sell. It's like, well, yeah, we are taking one individual out, but, you know, for the habitat that we have, that animal needs to be taken out, and there's selective measures, and the game and fish is monitoring, you know, multi-step sell. It's a very easy sell for someone with no even emotional connection to hunting like most of us here would have, historical connection, to go man-killing bear equals bad. Done deal. So... Here in Arkansas, thank goodness we do not have that problem. And we're here today because we plan on never having that problem here. But we live in such a world that is so interconnected. Um, In my work with Bear Hunting Magazine, I was introduced to a world I was absolutely unfamiliar with, which is a world that is, well, just that the hunting community is 
is under attack in other places. 20 years ago, growing up in Arkansas, if you told me that, I would have said, man, you're just crying wolf. I mean, who's coming to Arkansas telling us we can't hunt? And you guys know that the world's changing quickly. Yes. And what we can do now is build a foundation of understanding, a context, knowledge base. And we're not mad at anybody. The people that might be against us, we're not against them. We're not trying to be ugly and stomp our feet. We're trying to be the smart, wise guys by wise guy. Brent's kind of a wise guy in a negative way. Um, now, wise something. The guy with the most knowledge, the guy with the most wisdom, the guy with the most understanding of the big picture, I think wins inside of this. And so that's what we're trying to do is just educate people on why we're doing what we're doing. So James Brandenburg was there when we talked about that. That was Did you see how number one. That's a classic. We uh, may not make it very there. far. Yeah, Did you see how that went? I just kept quiet and he let him <laughs> talk. Yeah. You wasn't lying. You just it bouncing off of him. Yeah. You guys okay. are welcome. I will. I will not go in sequential order here. To my left, this is Myron Means. Myron Means is I've known Myron since uh, 2008 or nine or somewhere around there, somewhere yeah. around a while. Myron is the large carnivore lead, large carnivore biologist for the state of Arkansas. Is that the way you'd say it? The only. The only. One and only. <laughs> he leads himself. Yeah, I have a small to medium-sized <laughs> personnel staff of me, myself, and I. <laughs> yeah. So Myron's worked with the Game and Fish his whole career out of, out of college. 25 to, years with yeah. the agency this year. Yeah. 27 years working with Black Bears in Arkansas. Yeah. So Myron is is the the resource for knowledge about Arkansas bears, and uh, I'm going to get Myron in a little bit to give us give us the story of Arkansas bears. Because if you're here today, no matter if you're from Oklahoma or Missouri, you need to know the story of how bears got here. Um, this is my wife, Misty Newcomb. Misty is a is a classic on the bear grease render. Um, because she keeps us in line and I get, I get more comments. Line. She keeps me in line. <laughs> I get more comments about Misty being on the render. And so I just keep bringing her on, not because <laughs> the comments, but because I like her. But, um, I hear there was confusion today that someone tried to sell themselves as me. Yeah. Is that, that <laughs> someone tried to steal my identity today? You yeah. introduced- I got the beard. Yeah. That's how you tell us That's apart. how you tell us apart. <laughs> Britt and I, we often get mistaken for one another. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever mistake them for one another. Good thing. <laughs> a good deal. Um, Brent Reeves. Everybody would know Brent Reeves from the Bear Grease Render. And uh, Brent and I have been friends for a long time. And uh, we've bear hunted a lot together in different places. And yep. uh, Brent is here for the Southern Wit and Charm. So if you have a little meter and you're taking notes, that's the only reason I keep him around. Brent says stuff to me every single time I'm around him that I say, did you just make that up or did somebody tell you that? What I have noticed is his stories are often inconsistent, though, because sometimes he's like, my dad told me that. And the next time I'd be like, my uncle told me that. And the next time I'd be like, I made that up. So I don't know. It's hard to know the truth. I lie a lot. <laughs> I keep it around though. Ralph Ritz is a great friend of mine. That's how you tell the difference. And then, final and definitely not least on the end here is my friend Mo Shepard. And Mo is here for a very specific reason. I've got a story I want him to tell you uh, later. But uh, Mo is Mo is like a mountain man. If I think about Arkansas guys that are just woodsmen, just real deal woodsmen, 
Uh, Mo's one of the most accomplished big woods mountain hunters that I know. And he and I have corresponded a lot with bear hunting. When I was really trying to learn how to bear hunt in national forests without the use of bait, which we can talk about a little bit today, me and Mo, I mean, Mo was a resource for me because he spent his whole life in the mountains and killed bears on purpose in national forest. You know, not an incidental deer kill. Some of them were incident. I think he got lucky on, you know, probably a third of them. But uh, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, I just have a lot of respect for Mo as a, as a woodsman. But uh, hey, okay, I got a little ahead of myself here, which I tend to do sometimes. The, do y'all know what the Bear Grease Render is? We got a lot of nodding heads. So the, the Bear Grease podcast is our documentary style podcast that is not like this. It's where we have, you know, we have specific topics. If you hadn't heard it, specific topics, and we really dive in deep and it's a well put together, like polished um, podcast. This, I'll tell you the truth. It, a lot of it was because we couldn't do that every single week. It was just too much work. We had to figure out a way to do something else. So we put together an eclectic group every week on the <laughs> off weeks to typically eclectic. talk about <laughs> what the, the, the podcast topic was about the week before. So y'all understand the format. That's what we're not going to do that this week because this is a special one. We're going we're gonna to talk about bears. Myron, why don't you give us a, a rundown of just bears in Arkansas and kind of just a historical look, you know. How much of, time we have left? <laughs> you know that's good I, I know you could talk no, i'm gonna for an make hour the, i'm gonna it. make this real abbreviated and real quick yeah uh i'm sure most of you know that uh arkansas at one time we used to unofficially be known as the bear state bring it but, back yeah bring yeah. it back <laughs> before we were the natural state or the land of opportunity at the time of settlement we were called the bear state and uh it was thought at the time of settlement in arkansas that we may have had as many as fifty thousand black bears in the state and, of course, the landscape was completely different than it is now. I mean, we had vast expanses of bottomland hardwood, mature forest, uh, upland hardwood pine mix, and it was just a different, different ecosystem than it is today. Uh, at the time of settlement, uh, very briefly, bears had uh, one uh, very sought-after commodity that was plentiful in Arkansas. And that's that right there. He's holding up a jar of bear grease. Bear oil. And we all know kind of what happened with the uh, demise of the whales. You know, the whales were sought and hunted for their blubber to render down the fat for oils. Well, the same thing happened with bear. Uh, their oil or their fat was highly coveted uh, market hunting-wise. So what better place to get oil, bear fat, than in the bear state, right? And so at the uh, time of settlement, through settlement into Arkansas, it became a, you know, a really sought-after commodity. Bears were market-hunted, uh, you know, unceasingly or without just, any regulation yeah. or anything. And so uh, they were almost extirpated from the state completely. In fact, by 1951, a man named Trustin Holder did a land survey of the state of Arkansas and uh, found that the only remaining population that he had evidence of was in the lower white river drainage scrub grass bayou and it was thought that we may have had as many as 50 bears left in the entire state now if you're a big clay newcomb podcast fan 
and if you've listened to his podcast with Ori Province, mm-hmm. uh, some of those really old timers that lived in the Washtals or the Ozarks, they'll tell you, hey, when I was a kid back in the 30s or 40s, we saw a bear. So is it likely that there were some remnants of the mountain bear population still out there? Sure. Uh, but uh, 1958, Game and Fish embarked what is still to this day a historical reintroduction effort. And over a 10-year period, they reintroduced 254 bears from Minnesota and Manitoba, Canada, into the Ozarks and Washitals of the state. And the forests were grown back up at that time, and it was really perfect bear habitat. And there wasn't a season on them at that time. Can I interject something? I think this is a compelling part of the story that gives it a little more context is that you know, the, from from the time of white European settlement of this part of the world, which would have been, you know, in the early 1800s, the first people were getting here pretty much and starting to settle. By the turn of the century, by 1900 in, in, and on a little bit further, almost all of Arkansas would have been cut for timber mm-hmm. to, to build the eastern U.S. I mean, they were sending timber from here and, and marketing back, especially after the railroads, they would have done that. But... Basically, by the 1950s and 60s, well, go back, the, the national forest, um, the, the, what am I looking for? The, the, the federal government protection of national forest started with Teddy Roosevelt, I want to say, in the, the teens. Uh, was when was early it? Early 1900s, before 1910. Before I think it was ni- 1908. 1908. Right. Teddy Roosevelt set up the, uh, the Forest Service. And so they started protecting these big blocks of what became public land. Yep. And so for 60 years, the timber was able to regrow. So in the 50s and 60s, for the first Sorry. time, a bunch of our habitat all of a sudden had this big timber and was good for bear habitat. So it was like the right time, mm-hmm. habitat was right, everything was right. And so that's why it was a success. That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, the forests were coming back, bears were protected, so it was... I mean, it was just excellent bear habitat. And, you know, bears have proven one thing, uh, not only here in Arkansas, but about anywhere else. But given the opportunity and the right kind of habitat and circumstances, their populations will flourish. And so uh, the population flourished, and it actually flourished to the point that by 1980, uh, Game and Fish reopened bear season in the state. And uh, we've had a bear season this last year, marked the 41st modern-day bear season. Uh, If you'll look at our bear harvest since 1980, it's just been a steady increase all the way up. We think we probably have around 6,000 bears in the state now, you know, give or take a few hundred or maybe even a thousand. Uh, But I mean, the probably one of the most unique things about bears in Arkansas is we seem to be looping through these 20 year cycles. You know, the bears were reintroduced back around 1960, give or take a few years. By 1980, 20 years later, we're able to reopen bear season in the state. And from 1980 to 2000, you know, our bear population had increased in such a way that we were, were not harvesting the number of bears we needed incidentally. Right. So what did we do in 2001 to increase harvest rates? We added baiting to the regiment, to our harvest strategy, or to our regulation strategies. And then, uh, so here we are 20 years later, 
in the same bear population. And what are we talking about now? Reintroducing a bear season to the Gulf Coastal Plain of Arkansas. That's a big deal. That is, that real. is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. And so, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a good testament to great con- uh, conservation efforts by yeah. game and fish. Uh, and, you know, land use patterns change. Uh, everything changes, you know, over time. But uh, it's something that I've certainly feel privileged to be a part of, to be in a state that has done this so successfully, reintroduced yeah. bears so successfully. It, you may have said it, but in the biological community, the reintroduction, which a reintroduction is different than a uh, – uh, that that is a specific terminology to describe taking adult mm-hmm. wild animals and relocating them and right. turning them loose. But that is it's considered the most successful reintroduction of large carnivores in the world. That's right. That still stands. That's right. It still stands. I mean, no other natural resource agency anywhere in the world has done what Arkansas has done so successfully with a large carnivore. And that's so that's something to be proud of. That's it awesome. is. Absolutely. It is. I mean, it, yeah. it really is. And to put it into context, too, when you look at a, you type in your phone and for a for a, like a heat map of the of North America for where our bear populations are, and you'll see a bunch of red in the eastern United States. I mean, one of the strongholds of the black bear is in the east. You know, the southern Appalachians all the way up in the. Uh, up in the Maine, into Canada, all the way down into Florida. I mean, the eastern U.S. has some incredible bear populations, more than us. I mean, you go into West Virginia, North Carolina, uh, Virginia, man, they have some incredible bear populations. Okay, so imagine all these bears here, and then all of Canada is just, Canada is bear central. I mean, Canada is, the wilderness that they actually have in Canada is just remarkable in terms of actual definition of wilderness being places where people and civilization and roads are not. So Canada still has very much a strong bear population. And then it loops into the Rocky Mountain West. And remember, I'm painting a picture of a heat map. The Rocky Mountain West all the way down to old Mexico has black bears. All the Western states, a lot of them have pretty good bear populations, very good bear populations in the Northwest, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. So there's a big hole in our map, though, in the central U.S. From about middle Kentucky over to the Rocky Mountains, and the Great Lakes have bears, too. So from, like, Michigan down, the whole mid-south and south, no bears, except for this one little red dot about that big, which is the Arkansas bear population. So, I mean, think about that. I mean, when you're looking at this as a as a as a – continental resource it's pretty wild that we've got bears here and now and what myron could tell you better than me is that from the reintroduction of those 254 bears now missouri these bears are moving into missouri such that missouri has had their first bear season and we're going to talk i believe laura conley will be here later she will be here now um they're going into missouri they they've moved over into oklahoma just this week, did you hear about the legislation where in Louisiana they're proposing the bear season in northern Louisiana? Uh, I kind of got wind of that a few months ago talking to Louisiana's bear biologist, but yeah. she thought it might be coming. So, Well, they, they put it out as an official yep. proposal. So, But, I mean, that's massive conservation success in 2022 
when we live in such an urbanized world and whatever is, this is what I always say, whatever is happening ecologically in North America for some wild reason has been beneficial to black bears. I mean, and so to me, it's kind of, it's kind of poetic in a sense that the, you know, the American frontier truly was fueled by bear meat and bear grease. That is, that is not, that is not hyperbolic. I mean, people used to not eat deer meat, just keep their hides, and they killed bears for their meat and for their hide. Well, they used their hides too, but for their oil. I mean, so this bear was so important. And then there was a time when the bears were extirpated, just like, you know, Arkansas is a great, a small microcosm of what happened in bigger places too. The bears were gone. People forgot. I mean, literally in Arkansas, people forgot. I mean, it's like bears weren't here, basically, in a functional way for 70 years, 60 years. And then all of a sudden, in the 80s, it was like, holy cow, we got bears. <laughs> and then what Myron walked through from us having a bear season in 1980 till 2001. And I'm about to make a claim here that if somebody can dispute me, they will, uh, I'll give them a jar of bear grease. <laughs> um, so during that period of time, Arkansas was probably killing less than 150 bears a year, maybe. Uh, there was yeah. no baiting. So from right. 1980. Probably around in there, yeah. I think I, I saw mean, it some. Was, harvest was, yeah, it was It was just pretty anemic, yeah. I yeah. mean, because most people had to do it. Uh, it was most of the harvest at that time was incidental to deer hunting. Deer season and bear seasons ran concurrent. And so, you know, most people didn't actively hunt bears. They were out deer hunting. Oh, I see a bear. I shoot a bear. Uh, yeah. So bear season's open. So really up until 2001, I would say the majority of the bear harvest was incidental, incidental. to deer hunting. And that's, that's exactly my point is that guys, there were some, but there weren't a lot of people really targeting bears. 2001, they decided, I'm building to a point here that mm-hmm. I want everybody to hear, is that in 2001, they said, we have so many bears in Arkansas, we need an effective way to manage these bears. Because to take out, typically in bear management, to take out 10% of a bear population per year is going to equate to that population remaining stable for the most part. And Myron could tell us a lot about that. In general, that would be a true statement. And so they said, we cannot harvest the number of bears that we need for the habitat that we have using incidental deer harvest to kill these bears. Did you ever kill a bear in the 90s? Yeah, nineteen ninety, I killed my first bear. Nineteen ninety, wow. did you do it on purpose or was it yeah? Incidental? I was bear hunting. <laughs> See, there weren't many for real. Um, I, I thought you'd kill them. I started. Early. Were I you hunted, in that? Did you hunt the first? I hunted the first year in nineteen eighty. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And I hunted yeah. each How many year. Here? I hunted each year up till nineteen ninety, and I killed my first bear in nineteen ninety. So I'm yeah. curious to see how many here did hunt bear prior to two thousand in Arkansas. Wow. Anybody? One. Smo? Me. Yeah. Poor old lonesome <laughs> man. <laughs> That's why you're up here. Well, okay. So what they had to do, and it was a management decision that the Game and Fish did, is they said, we're going to manage our bears with bow hunters. And, and I'm putting words kind of in the, I mean, this is what I've heard. We're going to manage bears with bow hunters on private land over bait. And that, that was a, an extremely critical and I think brilliant move for the state because all of a sudden it opened up a real possibility for people to tap into this resource. I mean, it kind of opened the floodgates for hunters to really be able to kill one. 
it, it really did. It allowed people to kind of target bear, so to speak. Yeah. And after that point, you know, once people learned how to bait bears yeah. and uh, how to go about it, you know, there was a learning curve associated with it. But after a few years when the culture became not acceptable, but when people started learning how to do it, that's when you saw our harvest and in the state really th- take off. This is a principle, too, inside of wildlife. And I saw this as a kid growing up in a part of Arkansas that was a really good bear area, is that because it was really difficult to target bears, they held little value, I would say. I mean, for real, like cultural value, like my dad would tell you. I mean, it was kind of like, man, you don't want a bear anywhere around where you're hunting. They'll tear up your deer stands. They'll tear up your deer (laughs) feeders. They're trouble. And I saw people killing bears and just kind of like, yeah, just, I mean, almost like a trash animal. Yeah. They had kind of a vermin mentality. And that, that is not a blanket statement. There were people that were killing them and loving them, like Mo. But in general, I stand by that, that th- there wasn't a great incentive for someone to be a bear hunter because it was so difficult. And when they liberalized that season, all of a sudden, we started hunting and we were like, holy cow, we wow. can actually go kill a bear. Absolutely. And we learned how to bear hunt. We learned about bear meat. We learned how to, you know, we're still learning just kind of this, this, how unique this wildlife commodity is. But I, I, I refuse to let anybody tell me that baiting bears is a negative thing, and you shouldn't either. Bear, it's a management tool for game agencies to harvest the number of bears that they need to. And I'm on the national platform a little bit, so people sometimes give me a hard time, and I <laughs> absolutely will run someone into the ground if they say that hunting a bear over bait isn't hard, isn't fair chase. Or is a lazy man's way to hunt, and I'm preaching to all y'all, hunting bears over bait is good, and don't ever let anybody come in this state and say that it's not. And that, and that's what they're doing. I mean, that, I, it sounds like a, I'm preaching to a choir that's like, we already know, we're in the church. Uh, but, man, in Maine, the Humane Society of the United States comes in and says, man, baiting bears is, you know, they come up with all the reasons why that you shouldn't do it. And it, it, so there, there is... It, 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 there is a time when we may have to be like, well, if we build it strong enough, they won't ever, you know, won't ever happen here. But my point is, I from the day of the first bear ever killed over bait, I was like, this is a real deal. This is cool. And you don't have to have access to private land and hunt over bait to kill a bear in Arkansas. And we've proved that. And guys like James, James. has proved that. So there, definitely somebody that has private land in Arkansas and some of the key bear areas, yeah, you got a leg up on us. And, and I, I mean, I'm one of those guys. I just, you know, there's some guys that were born in Stuttgart and have access to world's best duck hunting. There's some <laughs> guys that were born in Iowa and have the world's best whitetail deer hunting. And then, you know, so, because I do hear that sometimes, like guys are like, well, private land, guys get all the bears. And it's like, man, just either it's tough to be find, <laughs> find private land that you can hunt, which you can do, or learn to hunt them in national forest, which you're hearing me preach about hunting bears over bait and how much I absolutely love it because you can be selective. And we can preach that because we are selective. I hadn't killed a bear over bait in Arkansas since 2006. Last year, I killed the first bear over bait since wow. 2006 in Arkansas. It's because I'm waiting on a 500-pound bear <laughs> in a big male. That's yep. the truth. Yeah. And if we're if we use the system right, and as bear hunters, we actually use baiting as a method to be selective. And Myra and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah, letting the juveniles and females go, and actually being selective. 
we can we can do a whole lot more than if we have a harvest with a bunch of sows. But I said all that to say, um, hunting a bear in the national forest on purpose, hunting them like deer, is by far the hardest hunt that I do in North America. I, really, I, I I love it, and uh, and that's what Mo is so good at and has done over the years. I've taught him a lot of what he knows. But um, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> The story has changed. I think that story changed since earlier. <laughs> yeah. Now, when did he say uh, his first bear? <laughs> I mean, I was just a kid. I was in diapers, man. I didn't no. So, and I know there would be a mixed group of people here. Some people that have access would be really interested in baiting bears, and then another group that might be interested in hunting bears and in, in big national forests. But, Myron, do you have anything to add to that? I, I kind of want to talk to Mo about hunting bears and. No, just that I mean, you know, in the in the in the world of natural resource agencies, you know, I mean, if you're a craftsman or a tradesman or something, you just have a bag of tools. And uh you have you know, uh baiting is just a it's a management tool, you know, for us to get the objectives that we want out of our bear harvest, you know. If uh if something happened by the wayside, I mean we'd have to have a on baiting, we'd Hey, we'd certainly have to have another tool in yeah. the bag that we could use to offer up the same type of harvest numbers that we have today. Yeah. So it's it's a tool. Yeah, it's a tool. I can add to that what you'd said earlier about the bears in the 80s through the early seasons and even into the 90s up till they started baiting. I don't know how many people, friends, family, people that I didn't even really know would come to me when they knew I was bear hunting, you know, just after bears. Of course, I love to deer hunt too, but... I would take specific days. I'd just bear hunt during the season. They said, "Why are you wasting time after them bears?" You know, That's you what could be Gary Newcomb told me. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, Gary Newcomb told but me. But I've heard that from a lot of different people and different yeah. styles of people and everything. You know, why are you wasting your time hunting bear when you could be deer hunting? I say because I'm intrigued by it. You know, and a lot of those people when I got my first in 1990, I rubbed it in on them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's no doubt in my mind that baiting has spawned a quote bear hunting culture in Arkansas. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt. And we yeah. do have a bear hunting culture in the state, and it's thriving. Yeah. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating Mom's Frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura Frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura Frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. 
Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. I want, I want Mo to tell us a story of, uh, you know, it, as a bear hunter, people that don't know a lot about bear hunting and they hear you bear hunt, they're like, have you ever been attacked by a bear? Have you ever been in a sticky situation? And the truth of it is... Many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about bears, Brent. Oh, no. <laughs> they, really, in Arkansas, our bears... I mean, it would be... If you said, Clay, I'll give you $50,000 if you can go out in the next 10 days and have a bear attack you, I don't think I could do it. I mean, like, you, you have to... Our bears typically are not aggressive and very few incidences of human bear direct conflict am i right myron correct i mean it happens occasionally but this story is one of the closest that i've heard from around these parts but mo tell us tell us your story of getting kind of just a scared short by a version of it so whatever version you got to make a long story short uh i left my house one day at the time i was living out in in the middle of national forest land so i could just hunt from my house uh it was early bow season, and uh, I just took off late morning. I didn't even get up early to go that day. I was just going to do scouting mainly for deer or bear. It was early, and I grabbed one of my recurve bows, and I took off from the house, and hour or so into my slip hunt, slipping around looking for sign, I come up on a little bench there where there's a lot of pawpaw bushes. People from Marks all know what they are and what they look like. They, they're the real thick. They're not very big, and you can't see very far in them when they got green leaves mm-hmm. on them. Anyway, I seen some deer deer scat there, and I 
thought, well, this might be a good place to come back and bring a stand and deer hunt, you know? And uh, where I was that spot? Uh, that's kind of a secret. I don't like to give those out. So. Hey, do y'all remember Mo was on my secret <laughs> podcast that I did? Did y'all hear that? He keeps secrets. He ain't telling nobody nothing. <laughs> anyway. I don't even I, know if this is true. You don't need to know. <laughs> anyway, I was going through and I thought, well, this might be a good place to come back and, and bow hunt, you know, and bring a stand. And then about that time, some movement caught my eyes, not very far from me, and I kind of looked in front of me over through the pawpaw bushes, and I saw a small bear cub. I thought, well, there's a little bear cub. That's pretty cool. How big Where's was mama? It? <laughs> How big was the it? The cub was just a, had been born that during the winter that year. It was probably 20 pounds or something other, maybe 25. They're not mm. very big, about like a small dog. Mm. And I thought, where's Myron mama? Myron had probably handled that cub before. <laughs> he probably <laughs> had. Myron's handled about every cub in Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, especially in that secret spot up there. I know he's been yeah. up there before. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, well, mama's around here somewhere. I need to find where she's at because I need to, if she shows up, I need to let her know I'm here and just ease my way out of here because I'd run across sows and cubs numerous times over the years. And I, uh, I was looking for her. And about that time, I seen movement where this can come from, this small bear. And there's another cub. I thought, well, that's cool. There's two cubs, but I still haven't seen Mama yet. The bear factory. Yeah, the bear factory <laughs> was a generating right there. And uh, anyway, I thought, well, I'll just let them pass on by, and I'll just keep an eye out for her, and they keep going around the hill. That you know, they there won't be no problem or nothing. Well, about that time, the two little peckerwood bears here they come <laughs> right towards me. They start mosing, playing, and pushing on each other, and they come towards me. Get closer. They get with probably. 10, 15 yards. I mean, I thought, well, that ain't good. They're going to get way too close, and I still haven't found Mama yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if I talked to them or motioned myself, but I got their attention, and they both just stopped and looked. And I think I may even kind of wave my bow at them or something other, maybe said something real light. They just jumped into the bushes out of sight. I thought, well, that's good. But I thought, I still haven't seen Mama yet. <laughs> So I went to just back up and get out of there, but I kept looking because I didn't know if she might be behind me or mm-hmm. where she was at. And about that time, I see movement. Here comes Mama out right where the Cubs did, out there about 25 yards. And she had her nose down to sniffing the, like Mama's do. She was following her Cubs around, just staying where they's at. And I thought, well, do I need to let her know I'm here or to see what happens? So I think I just sat there for a few seconds, and then she turned sniffing and started coming the same way they did mm. towards me. I thought, this ain't good. This is not good. <laughs> How big would you say she was? She was your average sow bear out in the mountains. 1,200. 500 pounds. About 800 pounds. <laughs> 500 pounds. I would say she was 150 to 170 pounds. See, this is an honest man right here. You think you can buy that, can't you? 150, can. 170 pounds. And looked like she was not that old of a bear. I figured that might even been her first cub she'd ever had, you know. But Oh, now we're speculating. Okay. I'm okay. speculating like you yeah. do all the time. So. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, she started that same direction. I thought, I got to do something. So I think I just in a soft voice said, hey, bear, hey, bear, hey, bear. And she looked at me and raised her head up and looked at me on all fours. I thought, I got to get out of here. So I knew where she was at then, so I'm going to start backing up. Well, I start backing up and just talking to her, and she just standing there looking at me. And then I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember all of a sudden one of those cubs made a little ball sound. Went, and I looked to my left, and he'd climbed a pawpaw bush right beside me right there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, like, from me to you, just mm. right there. And I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> and when he done that, you could see her demeanor change. Her hair bristled up. She puffed up, you know, 
just I don't know. If, I know you've probably seen them do that a time or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when she done that, I thought, well, I got to do something. So I went to back up, and before I even knew what happened, she made it kind of a just a like that, and she was on me before I could even move. I mean, just bam, right on my face, snapping her teeth, and I stuck my bow up in her face like that between me and her, and just started hollering at her and backing up. She was biting, snapping at my bow, and once I remember she. Swatted at me, but I think she was trying to scare me by swatting leaves off the ground or whatever. And uh, but then she made a big lunge at me, and I don't even know if I was ready or what caused it. But she lunged at me like she was going to try to knock me down or bite me or something other. And I just remember raising up and I kicked her right in the face with my boot. <laughs> wow! And it just mm. thunder. She just froze like that, and I really got loud. Then I won't repeat some of the things I was probably saying, but, <laughs> but I just kept backing up and hollering at her and hollering at her. And I guess I got far enough that, that she didn't think it was any danger. And I don't remember if the cub made another ball sound or what, but then she acted aggressive again. She started towards me again, and I got real loud that time, and I even poked at her with my bow. She stopped again. I just kept backing up, hollering real loud. I mean, really loud. And I finally got not plumb out of sight of her, but she finally just stood there and froze. And when she did, while I was backing up, she turned and went over into the bushes where the cubs were, and she kind of, uh, I don't remember if she – bellered at him or whether she swatted him but anyway she got that one off the tree and the other one still on the ground and i seen them move off into the pawpaw bushes so i just kept backing up fast and got quite a ways from them and i caught my breath and then <laughs> i think there was actually a log there and i sat down on it just to rest i was probably 200 yards from where the bears was at thinking about what had just happened and then i realized then i carry a quiver on my side and I had an arrow with a broadhead in my hand, and I never remembered getting it out of my quiver. <laughs> I don't know if I was thinking in my mind that, that she was going to get me down or what. I don't know. Yeah. But I had it in my hand, and I thought, I don't even remember doing this. Wow. And then I got up and went home, and and that was a story for sure that I'll never forget. Wow. That's, wow. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. What, what year? About what year would that have been? That was probably – 2006, 2007, something like that. Oh, really? Like so yeah, it was five, in six, seven, sort yeah, of in, modern times. Yeah, yeah, not old <laughs> like I am. So Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I've, only heard, I've only heard one other story that kind of rivals that, and I can only tell it secondhand, and I'll do it real quickly, and it's an Arkansas-based story. Now, you can go a lot of different places and get bear stories, and, <laughs> and you know, grizzly bears out west is a whole different ball game. Like, you know, our black bears are just not that aggressive typically. Grizzly bears are, for real, they'll eat you and hurt you. You know, so if you're in the in the greater Yellowstone region where there are grizzly bears in the lower 48, it's a different story. But for here, that story right there is pretty pretty Rare. wild. Coming from, you know, coming from somebody that's, that is that is reputable, like Mr. Moe. Um, I, I had a friend, and I'm telling this story secondhand, he was he was bow hunting and used a climber tree stand in the washtalls, setting up in a big pine tree, way up a pine tree. And he had walked in that morning in the dark. Well, just after daylight, whatever time, he sees a bear. And he has no interest in shooting a bear. He could have. It's bow season. And this bear has his nose on the ground like a hound, and it's trailing him, just walking right where he walked. And he was just like, huh, that's kind of odd. <laughs> and uh, And the bear just comes right up under his tree stand, sniffs up the tree, and just looks straight up at him. And he, as I remember the story being told, you know, he talked to the bear, just like, hey, get out of here. You know, and the bear started popping its teeth at him and kind of getting bristly. 
and the bear walked off and kind of did it. They, when they get aggressive, they kind of bristle up and kind of kind of strut almost like a turkey. But he walked out there, and then he he whether he ran back, but basically a cycle of three or four times that bear would run to the base of his tree, and it would run up like two or, two or three jumps. And then he was like, hey, you know, he, his intensity <laughs> went up, and it came up like halfway up the tree. It went down, and before you know it, that bear, he said, was coming over the top of his, his, his oh. tree stand. Mm. And he had a bow, and he was trying to shoot it when it was coming up the tree, but every time he leaned out, his arrow came off the rest. If you're a oh. bow hunter, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're trying to shoot straight down. And he could not shoot that bear until – he was able to be about like this and he shot that bear right in the throat when it was even with him point blank mm. yep and uh anyway that that uh, that story was told to me by and i know the guy it happened to and uh anyway why that's a wild story too was it, it a male or female it was a, well he never recovered the bear oh the bear dropped out of the tree ran off and never found it <laughs> he, he believed it to be a juvenile male Really? Which makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, maybe. Really? Do, do you do you know any wild stories, Myron? That man is still in the tree today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He never came down. He texted he me. He never that. came down. <laughs> Battery ran out. Send food. <laughs> I mean, uh, Moses is probably about the craziest one that I've heard. But, yeah. I mean, I can, working with bears as many years as I have, I can absolutely see what happened to yeah. you as being – yeah, a legitimate deal. And, you know, I mean, doing all the den work that I've done over the years and everything else, having females with cubs and all that, I mean, sure, they can be protective. Every, you know, the adage, mama bear. I mean, you know, that saying came about because of a reason, because yeah, mama bears can be so protective of their cubs. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, outside of that particular scenario, I mean, black bears just inherently aren't known to – exhibit predatory behavior yeah. like a grizzly bear is or mm -hmm. something like that they have had black bear attacks in british columbia or some places up north you know predatory black bear attacks right but Which you probably have a standard yeah much a predatory attack would be a bear uh, seeking you yeah, out actually stalking walking you down and sizing you up and it's a very distinct behavior pattern and uh so it's uh i mean you know bears are bears yeah so. Yep. Miss Newcomb, have you ever, ever had any tough bear encounters? Does he usually make you talk? Well, <laughs> 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 I was just thinking, uh, your story kind of reminded me, and your story of uh, last week my son was playing basketball and someone fouled him, and I kind of felt some of those same urges of that mama. You uh, felt I, actually, I like yeah, get hold of him. Stabbing my teeth, yeah, no. But I, I thought what Myron was talking about, the how the old-timers in Arkansas will talk about how they – saw bears in the 30s mm -hmm. and 40s. And Clay knows this story, but my great-grandpa was uh, oh, yeah. kind of a legendary man in our little tiny town of 400. Yeah. My brother's here, and he could he could attest to if when people found out that that was our great-grandpa, they'd be like, oh, Lewis Joplin, strongest man I ever knew. I, one time he killed a bear with his bare hands, and I mean, that was like an <laughs> actual thing we heard. He killed a bear with his bare hands. When I, when, so yeah. when we, when we, I he didn't let her talk long. Misty. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. All done. Is that where you... Well, what I was going to tell him is that, and so when I started dating Clay, um, I I told him, like, 
he he was interested. My in grandpa bear. killed a bear with his bare hands. Well, what she yeah. said. Well, it's kind of like you I, had me at hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 and we would hear stories about him, like that he caught logs. You know, you, you kind of just don't believe stories yeah. like that. Like a, I saw a truck, a whole truck of logs. He caught him with his his own back. We'd kind of, you know, try yeah. to get him to talk about it. He was a pretty humble guy, and sometimes he'd be like, "Oh yeah," and he would just real mildly be like, "Yeah," basically. No, no arrogance whatsoever. Tell us, yeah, I did catch an entire you know, thing of logs. So we, you hear these stories enough. And I told Clay when we started dating, I don't know if it's true, but everyone in town tells me he killed a so bear. So what did I do? He researched it. Mm-hmm. I went and asked him. He was 89 at the time. So this mm-hmm. would have, we've been married for 21 years. Yeah. So it would have been while Good thing we were you got that dating. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was while we were dating. It was while mm-hmm. we were dating. So it would have been, you know, right at the end of his life. And uh, and I asked him. I said, "Did you kill a bear with your bare hands?" And he said, "He said no, but I killed one with a rock." And what happened <laughs> when he was? It was. I think we figured it to be in the 1930s in oh, in wow. Polk County. So this is a real deal. Mm-hmm. He he lived right around Hatfield, Arkansas, in Polk County. And he said he was walking home from school one day. Maybe not school. I don't know. He was just under 20. You know, he was a kid, so under 20 years yeah, old. Yeah, I think he was around like we have to do the math mm-hmm. when it would have been. Mm-hmm. It probably, it may have even been in the 20s. I think it was in the 20s, and I think he was 13 we, years It's old. been a long time since we've done the math. Um, but he said that he was walking home, and he saw a bear cub cross the road in front of him and run up a sapling. Hmm. And he just picked up, a, I mean, just what would a kid do back in those right. days? He picks up a rock and starts chunking rocks at this bear. And, you know, at that time, I mean, you can't blame him. I mean, th- this was a vermin. <laughs> I mean, these people were trying to make a living off the land. Right. I and mean, I this thought was he a was threat. scared. What's that? I thought he was scared. Or I guess the bear. I mean, yeah. He anyway, and he he knocked it out of that tree and killed it. Wow. And uh, but why that story is unique and what we've talked about is that I'll have to go back and do the actual math of how old he was when he died and when it all happened. But it would have been probably in the 1920s, which there right. were not supposed to be bears in Western Arkansas during. Exactly. That I mean, there's no doubt in my mind there was remnant bears running around. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Papa you know. believed there shouldn't be any there. <laughs> yeah. If I see a bear, I'm gonna kill it. Yeah. Yeah. And he did. That's what happened to the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, we're 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 gonna I wanna transition to talking a little bit about like how to kill a bear and you know, there's a thousand different things we could talk about, but James a couple years ago killed a bear in National Forest on purpose, yep. non incidental kill, like very much so on purpose. And uh I think sometimes that's the most accessible way for somebody to hunt is just go out in national forest. That being said, I think you should go somewhere else. You shouldn't hunt <laughs> yes. here. Um, they're not laughing. They're good. not. They're <laughs> um, no, it, 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 it's no, no stretch to say that killing a bear in national forest in Arkansas or Oklahoma or Missouri is, is, is a very difficult hunt, but a doable hunt. And uh, James did it. The first year he tried, which don't be encouraged by that. No, you probably can't. No. Um, I tried it for you 10 know, years. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Daniel Boone, when Daniel Boone went into Kentucky, crossed through the Cumberland Gap and came back after Just two so years. Just so y'all know, this is like my life, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll be talking about something. He's like, you know, that reminds me of Daniel Boone. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk at Misty, too. I talk at James. I talk at Brand. I'm not yeah. as willing at, as James. You no, talk at no, everyone. No, listen. So, you just like to talk. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess so. No, so Daniel Boone, when he went into Kentucky and for two years went on a big trap line, and I mean, there was nobody there except, you know, some few bands and Native Americans. 
And he was torn his whole life of telling people about it because by him telling them about it, he ruined it. Yeah. And so I think that's the story of us in a, in a way, but, but like we want to share what we know and it doesn't do any good to hold stuff back. But I will say Georgia and Tennessee, West Virginia are way better bear hunting. And that, that <laughs> yeah. is actually not a joke. You can take more bears in Georgia. That's for sure. Oh, they, have, they have bigger bear they, populations. Yep. Yeah, so uh, there's other options you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you if you think you want to get not into the bear game hunt- and fish, say that that's me because I hunt <laughs> out there. <laughs> I so I hunted last year and the year before that. It's the only times that I've ever bear hunted. Um, I've seen two bears. One of them's dead, and the other one ran across the road in front of me before the season was open. So uh, it's hard, and if you haven't done it before, it's a lot of fun. You just kind of have to set your mind to what you're going to encounter, how, how you want to go about it. And you measure your success more by, <laughs> I think how long you can stay out there and keep after it. Yeah. You know, uh, I scouted a couple of days before the season opened. I scouted before that, but went in earnest a couple of days before the season and hunted, uh, two, three days into the season, uh, during archery season, you know, so put five to seven days into it. And, um, that was about all I needed. I I mean, because I was done, like I didn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Bears are a low density animal. So if you think about it, like, uh, uh, a high population of white-tailed deer might be 40 deer per square mile in good bear habitat. How many bears per square mile would we have Myron? Uh, 15 to 20 bears, maybe per hundred square kilometers. (laughs) Translate that for us. Someone someone convert it for me real quick. Anecdotally. Give me an anecdote of like a bear per square mile. Uh, Two bears. Oh gosh. Uh okay, I'll land base. I'll convert it for you to land base. Sixty two. Someone sixty two square miles. Square miles, <laughs> sixty-two. So twenty-five right. bears per sixty-two square miles. Man, that's some really. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. Half a bear. about point six bears per square mile. Okay, yeah. so there, there's our number. Right. So you know, forty deer per square mile. Point six bears. <laughs> Those are the size bears these guys kill. Point six. No, that's that's good info. Yeah, and so I mean, that's like prime bear density. So to say to qualify what James was saying. You you can't be validated by seeing game. I mean, we're we're used to deer hunting in like the the golden era of whitetail deer hunting in North America, and we go out and we don't see deer. We're like, what's wrong, man? When you bear hunt, that's what I love about it. You can't be validated by seeing game. I mean, I, I'll go seasons without seeing a bear in Arkansas. Me Mo too. Will too. And I mean, we're doing stuff very much so on purpose and don't see a bear. So. The whole season doing what we so what you're saying is I'm as good of a bear hunter as you guys are. You were that one. <laughs> you season. were one season apparently. You were yeah. for once. Hey, even a blind south finds hey, an acorn once in a Jonathan while. Jonathan Wilkins over there. Jonathan, raise yeah, he, your hand. Yeah, he killed a bear. Jonathan did the same thing James did. Jonathan set out several years ago, and he didn't even live over here, but traveled into the mountains in western Arkansas, hunted a couple years all on his own, and killed a bear last year. Didn't you, Jonathan? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a, a doable. doable thing. Yeah. But you shouldn't, you probably shouldn't tr- even you try. You should try to do it in Georgia or I would try Tennessee. to do it in Georgia. 
somewhere else. Yeah, way yeah. more bears over there. And definitely not at that place that Myron mentioned. <laughs> I don't either one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I give bear hunting seminars around the state usually before bear season comes about or before you can bait. And I really tell people, I mean, there's, you know, there's two different avenues to bear hunt. You can bear hunt on private land or you can bear hunt on public land. And of course, private land, you know, there's certain techniques that can benefit you in establishing a bait station. And I tell people all the time, you know, I kind of go through the processes of finding natural bait stations on public land. Right. And uh, I, I can I can attest to you, everyone here, that a natural bait site can be every bit as effective as, you know, a man-made bait site. And or by, even better by, at by times. What he means or even is, better. You know, find a natural food mm-hmm. source. You find that one particular white oak on a bench that's throwing acorns like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. You almost right. said it. You almost <laughs> said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, or you find that one particular black gum tree that's throwing, you know, berries like crazy right at the front of the season. So, I mean, yeah. I tell everybody. You or, know, hickory or hickory nuts. Or hickory nuts. Hickory nuts, as we call yeah, them hick- mostly in Arkansas. Hickory, mm-hmm. Yeah, hickory nuts. <laughs> so, I mean, I... You know, I really kind of harp on that point to people. If you don't have access to private land and to do all that, a natural bait site can be every bit as effective. Let's just run through that just a little bit. Like in the eastern deciduous forest, it, it really this would apply in Georgia and any anywhere you can hunt bears over here. In the fall, we, we don't have spring bear seasons in the south. Very few spring bear seasons in the lower 48 um, Maine has some bear, spring bear seasons on some tribal lands and Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Washington has a limited. Anyway, we hunt bears in the fall and uh, hard mast is going to be probably the main thing you're going to key in on. That's what the bears are keying in on. And that would be acorns, whether it be red oak acorns, white oak acorns, whatever kind of acorn there is, they, it would be possible bear food, but just like white tailed deer, they're going to be selective they're going to high grade their food just like you or I would if there was a buffet out here. We'd go through and we'd say, I want that. I don't want that. I do want that. But if there was a limited amount of food and there was only one or two options and we had to eat, we'd eat a lesser desirable food. The number one desirable food, I mean, we can just almost say without question, is, is going to be white oak acorns during the time we're hunting. It's Absolutely. just a small window of time that that really that we're keying on these bears other times of the year they're eating berries they're eating soft mast we're not as keyed in on them during that time myron mentioned uh, black gum um that's something you don't hear a lot about but i have a couple years ago i found a black gum tree it's about 18 inches in diameter at the base and it looked like oh yeah it it looked like a telephone pole that they had been climbing for years just i mean claw marks branches all over the ground and there were eight piles of bear scat under that single tree yeah Yeah. bears were just climbing it's probably one or two bears they were climbing that tree breaking the branches out of that black gum and black gum has a little soft berry about that looks like a raisin and uh boy at the right time when they hit they are loaded with berries yeah they hit yeah and you know so acorns uh you know Black gum. You might find a persimmon tree that the bears are hitting. Persimmons are pretty. They're just little windows when they're when they're using those uh, hickory nuts, beech nuts. Parts of Arkansas are going to have some beech timber. You know, few parts of Arkansas, but when beech nuts make, they're going to eat. They're going to eat those hard and heavy. Um, that's primarily what they're eating in the fall. You guys agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, 
I'd say acorns and then black gum berries. <laughs> and then the hickory nuts is what I've found myself. But if you're in, like you said, in where the beech nut are, those are half protein content mass yeah. when they do hit they just don't hit very often yeah. they will sure go to them then and what i always what what i've found is that bears will use natural food very similar to they'll use a bait site i mean just that's what myron's point was is that a bear is extremely habitual if you can find where he's been he's probably going to come back and this is like the dream scenario <clears throat> that i would have only found i mean I, I talk about scenarios like this and you're like, well, heck, he must find a spot like that every year. Not true. I mean, I probably found this three or four times in my life, but this is what you're after. So I like to talk about what you're after. What you're after is to walk onto a bench or on the top of a ridge or, or wherever the acorns would be and find a significant amount of your food source and then a significant amount of bear scat. I mean, I've been in places where you walk up there and it looks like hogs had been in there. And there's bears, you know, find 10 or 12 piles of bear scat in a 100 square yard area. Some of it very fresh, some of it old acorns on the ground. I mean, it's just, if you can find that, you're in the chips. And then you just hunt it smart like you would hunt a deer. You know, you got to watch the Only wind. Only smarter. Or smarter. Smarter. Yeah. Smarter. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, so when you find that, you treat it just like a deer spot. You know, you got to get the wind right. But what I found and what I didn't... I didn't know until I did it is that you can kill a bear on the ground. I can't believe I'm telling people this stuff. Doggone it. <laughs> All your you, secrets. You can kill, you can stalk a bear in dry leaves on the ground when he's got his face eating acorns. And that's yeah. what I was unsure of. And, and 10 years ago, when I was kind of just like trying to kill mm -hmm. one in a national forest, I'd be out and the leaves would be dry. And I'm sitting here with a traditional bow and I'm like, how the heck am I going to get within 18 yards of a bear? And what I found, and I, I, have, there, I have a video on Bear Hunting Magazine YouTube channel of a bear that I s first spotted about 60 yards away, and I filmed him for 18 minutes. I, I know it because it was on the camera. I filmed him for 18 minutes just circling a white oak tree, just circling. Hmm. Never looked up one time, Myron. And I just started walking towards him in the broad. There was nothing to hide behind. And I walked to, to where I could hear him crunching acorns. And then I was like, this is close enough. And I just kind of crouched down in the wide open. And that bear, you know, eventually just kind of made his way my direction. And I killed him at 14 yards. Yep. But the leaves were crunchy, dry. Point is, you can stalk them if they're eating. Now, if they're moving, if you're like going through the mountains and you see one like coming across the ridge, he'll be as, I mean, I'm not going to say as spooky as a deer, but that bear is going to be alert if you can catch them, feed them, feeding, you could about walk up to them and slap them in the rear. As long as they don't smell you. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. What I was say. They smell the you, common, they're gone. Common denominator yep. in that is the wind was at your face. Exactly. Bears do not see, they're kind of nearsighted, don't see probably well as most people. They don't have little small fuzzy ears, not big radar ears like a deer. So they don't really hear that well. But a bear has the strongest nose of any land animal. And they use it. They live or die by it. So yeah. if you want to be a successful bear hunter, that is probably the most important factor that you can never, ever leave out is wind. How thermals play, how yep. downdrafts play, <laughs> what your wind is doing, because you will never, ever stalk a bear with the wind That's not right. in your favor. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. 
That so makes it hard. Notice he didn't say use scent control products. <laughs> he said play the wind <laughs> like a real man. That's a whole other argument. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, we won't dig into that yet. How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're walking into all kind of uh, inside jokes for Bear Grease Render. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I wanted to touch on that. And th- that's all the secrets I've got. I mean, like people talk to me about how do you kill a bear in National Forest? I've told you everything I know right there. Yeah. I mean, really, it's literally get out and pound the dirt looking for places to hunt. And now James and Jonathan, they have taken my advice and gone out and done it. So it'd be interesting to see that if I gave what I to told him. them was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Mo. And then I taught Mo how to hunt too. Yeah. No, uh, I will say that the why I got into it is because it was an adventure and a challenge. is something new to do, something you could do here in Arkansas. I happened to be, I was planning to do it anyway, and then we had COVID, so we weren't going to travel anywhere. Um, but I wanted to become a better woodsman. I wanted to just get out and see more of the state. And and if you choose to do this in the National Forest, you're going to see parts of the state that you didn't know existed. We live in a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, not as pretty as Georgia. Not as pretty as Georgia. <laughs> Thanks, Clay. Um, and uh, you will... You will challenge yourself in many, many ways uh, to go out and do that, but that's what I wanted out of that particular adventure, and I thought there was a lot of value in that for me as a just on my journey as a hunter, and I'm kind of thoughtful about that kind of stuff. Not everybody is. I mean, I'm glad I brought a bear home and, and had all the stuff from it too, but it was a very fun adventure to go on, and, and that's what I would sell anybody. If you're looking for an adventure... Take up bear hunting, yeah, on national, you know, national forest on public land because it's tough, yeah, real tough, yeah. I want to talk real quickly about baiting bears. Just kind of give the high points of baiting bears. I'm trying to just get a swath of what people might be interested in. Does that sound fair to yep. y'all? Yep. Miss Newcomb, mm-hmm. is that fair? <laughs> yes, very fair. <laughs> oh, ask her another you, question. What do you have to say about baiting bears? Well, I'll say two things. There's bear bait around here. I can smell it. Well, what you smell is, uh, yeah, Northwoods. It smells bear bait. like bear bait. Yeah. yeah this right. whole time I've been looking for it. Where's wow, the bear she bait nailed at? that. She didn't know I brought this. First, the blueberry. This is, uh, yeah, this is some stuff I like to use. This Northwoods bear yeah. products. It smells like I'm going to give some of it away. That smells like fall. If you bait bears, to me, just come up here. Yeah. I'll give you some. And then in the, uh, we also, Clay always finds, you know, places to go get just junk food, stuff that we wouldn't let our kids eat and fills the back <laughs> of his trunk. And when our kids were little, one of them came toddling in and had, had a handful. Like an expired honey bun in their hand, just gnawing it down. And I was like, what are you eating? This is just normal bear and then, bait and stuff. Yeah. And my kids, my whenever we see certain items in the grocery store, they're like, oh, look, there's some bear bait. Yeah. <laughs> bear bait. And it smells no. like that. So when you're, when you're baiting bear, I always tell people it's all about location, location, location. Most people, they say, well, I got property in this county. We saw a bear there once or twice. You know, is it going to be good for baiting bears? And what I've seen is that even on a micro scale, like if you took like half of a county, there are going to be even inside, like even let's say it's the best bear county around, and you took even just a quarter of that best bear county around, there's going to be fringe bear habitat in that. There's There's property in that best county that you probably couldn't kill a bear on. 
Bears are very selective about where they're going to go and where they want to be in the daytime. And so the short version is when you're baiting bears, you want to be in you want to be where the bears want to be in the fall. So it's possible that somebody's got bears, and Myron can tell you this, got bears on their place during the summer, but they're like, but when we put out bear bait in the fall, we don't get bears. Nothing bears, shows up. Bears yeah. have big ranges. They're moving around. They do. They typically have a summer range and a fall range, and that fall range, you know, it may be two miles away, but in the home range of a bear, they will have seasonal ranges within that whole home range, and they definitely, I mean, some bears have their, summer forage area in very close proximity to maybe where their fall range would be right but in other bears you know they may be three or four miles apart yeah and you're not as a hunter you're not like trying to map out home ranges of different bears but if you can if you can if you have access to private land that you have permission to hunt in very secluded remote areas that are typically connected to big blocks of national mm-hmm. forest in our state the bears the bears are on national forest. I mean, that's just the truth of it. They're, they're, but they're, bears want big, unfragmented, not true wilderness like capital W, federal wilderness, but they want to be in big, unfragmented blocks. That's not exclusive. Bears can adapt and can be living you know, in your backyard. In general, though, the bigger blocks, a big public land, rugged, rough, nasty stuff, that's where bears are going to want to be. And you'll learn over time, like there was a time – years ago where I was baiting like 11 different spots in a good county in Arkansas. And of those 11 spots, by the time season came around, we would usually have three spots that you could kill a decent bear at. Yep. That whole time we baited though in September, we'd have had bears at every one of those spots. Exactly. And as the, as the, as the calendar turns in September coming to October, White oak acorns, all the acorns start getting ripe, falling. Bears start to transition. You know, during that time, um, there's just a big transition in the natural world from summer to fall. And bears start to move around. And you can, basically, you can hold bears early. It's hard to hold them late. Everybody that's baited bears, you know, will say, man, I had bears, but they left by the time season came. You know, what can I do to keep them? And I told a guy earlier today, I said, the best thing you can do to keep a bear and be able to kill him on opening day is have a spot that you can kill bears and keep them until opening day. Yeah. <laughs> it works. That's I mean, the secret. Brilliant. Yeah. So what I finally did after, <laughs> yeah. after, after what did I Mo finally te- did. Did Mo teach you that? <laughs> Mo and his backwoods wisdom taught me that. What, what I finally did after baiting 11 spots is I said, why am I even baiting those other eight? I'm just going to bait the three. And so that's what I did. I mean, pretty much just narrowed it down. I was like, I cannot kill a good bear at this spot. So we're just chunking it. You know, we, we tried it for several years. You can't give up on a spot after one year. I'd bait it three years before I was like, ah. Um, but, you know, but a lot of you may not have access to that many properties. So you may, it may be a deal where you bait for five years and finally you get a straggler that comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay too. But point being, Secluded land. Mo, Myron. And, yeah, and, and and the later in the season it gets, the later in the fall it gets, the harder it is to get a bear to come to bait like Absolutely. the later muzzleloader hunt or the gun hunt. It's a lot harder to get them to come to those areas. you got to try to get closer to where they want to be in that fall during the mass. They'll come to bait 
once they hit the mast hard, you know, for, from opening a when the acorns first fall, they'll hit it hard. But then as the acorns disperse and they get less of them, then they're more apt to come back to a so, bait site. But you need to be closer to where they're hanging out, hitting that mast crop too. So Mo, Mo and I kind of worked together on a bait site one year, and he killed a bear on November the 5th over bait, oh, which wow. was the latest I've ever. Pretty late. It's pretty late. What he's trying to say, and I have people that are like, hey, I'm going to come bear hunt. What if, what if I came mid-October talking about hunting over bait? And I, I would just be like, stay home. That's one of the worst times to try to kill them over <laughs> Man, bait. The, the bear season <laughs> over bait, I, 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 I kind of had this revelation last year sitting over a bear bait in Arkansas is that it is, it is a, an ephemeral window. I mean, it's like a short window that comes and goes where those big bears are using the bait site during the daytime. Very short window, and it's always going to be the as early as the season is open. I mean, so like when we bear hunt, I mean, we pretty much bear hunt over bait the first three days of season, and then our baits just die. It's like they just turn the switch. We've done it for 20 years. It's not anecdotal. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like sometimes you hear people say stuff, and you're like, you haven't done that very much, or you come to the wrong conclusion. Yeah. Man, that, bears that- leave baits. They're hard to hold most years. And you better you better you better hunt them quick is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that that year you remember the reason we talked about it because I told you I killed a bear with about every means there was other than my pistol. Yeah, and the only way I could do that was during the opening of the gun. There was bears, a firearm firearm bear season, and that year it was when it opened just a few days, like five days prior to Correct. gun yep. deer season. Yep. Yeah, it was long. It was pretty. And it was and years so ago. we we baited and and. And got got a bear coming in, a good mature bear, and I was lucky. The first evening I sat there, I sat there all day. But the first evening I sat there about noon, and then had to go eat. About I'm hungry, you can tell. But <laughs> you look uh, hungry. Yeah the the bear the bear came in, you know, thirty minutes before dark, and I took it with my pistol and yeah. called Clay and said, "Get it up here. I've got a bear down. You're going to have to help me." So <laughs> yeah. we got a lot of fat off of that bear too. That bear had a beautiful that, yeah. coat on November fifth. Yeah, the longer you wait mm-hmm. in the season, there. Yeah, I've got a made, had a rug made out of it. And it's a beautiful rug. I mean, yeah. it's thick, lot of fat coat, a lot, lot of fat. I remember on that bear. holding a big fillet of fat that was just like, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that big. Yeah, wow. But, um, yeah, and then as far as what to bait with, you know, there's there's <laughs> basically anything. I mean, there's regulations. Look in the look in the reg books for what you can bait. They they have had to kind of get specific, but in general, uh. Just about anything that'll make a human fat will a bear will eat. That's what I say. Uh, we use a lot of a lot of bread, pastries, dog food, corn. I didn't know then, dog food made people fat. That's a good <laughs> touche, Mo Shepherd. Touche. Now, I've never tried it. Have it's you? How I stay this trim. Um, We're both fat, you know. <laughs> Do y'all eat dog food? Um, at every opportunity. No, we use a lot of we use a lot of used cooking oil. I would say that's a key mm-hmm. component. Um, and this is not a sales pitch. I got nothing tied to these guys, but these ba- these fryer grease additives. This is oh, this is Northwoods Gold Rush. Incredible! It really is incredible. That you pour this in with your fryer grease, put it on corn, dog food, bread, whatever, and uh, it really attracts them. It, doesn't it? I can smell it right now. Yes. Misty knows that's the smell of September at our house. That's right. It's true. Yeah, true. Smell of September. We open this up. In you September put that in when a- we're having <laughs> dinner together. Hey, could you put that in a candle? <laughs> Could you put that in one of those bear grease candles? Oh yeah, I Colby. Mean, yeah. We need that. I don't know where he. 
Northwoods Bear Grease. <laughs> the can. smell of September. That stuff really is incredible. It smells up here right now. Wow. It's yeah, powerful. it really does. So not it, just there's a lot bad. of resource. I tell you what, if you want to learn how to bear hunt, you ought to, you ought to subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine. Colby, Colby Moorhead and Jolene run Bear Hunting Magazine. It's the only bear hunting magazine in the world. Wave at them, Colby. Go They've in. been a big yeah, help. Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time. People message me and ask me some real specific question about bears, which I, I don't mind, but I'm like, man, I've spent the last 10 years writing about that in every issue of Bear Hunting Magazine. And so the first thing I say is you should subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine. <laughs> and, uh, but it's a, not a sales pitch. Just I'm just telling you the truth. If you want to learn how to bear hunt and see bear hunting on a big national mm-hmm. scale, it's it it's handy because I, I can only talk so much. You got though. a lot of stories, a lot of different kinds of adventures and different ways to do it. And bear hunting is pretty diverse. And as a new bear hunter, you know, I'm still learning all the different ways to do it in different places. And, and I like getting the magazine to see those different things in different perspectives and just add different ideas to, to what I might do. So yeah. it's a good resource. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brent, we hadn't talked to you yet. Um, it's surprising. <laughs> It's been what you want to talk about? I don't know. Closing thoughts? Well, I'm for bear hunting. Okay. <laughs> I'm for baiting bears. I'm for doing anything. I, I really appreciate the where the game of fish has gone as far as the Gulf Coastal area because that's where I'm from. That's a big yep. deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. And the ground down there is flat. <laughs> what? Yes, sir. You don't have to. It's just like I tell you about coon hunting. You don't have to coon hunt in the mountains. And now, maybe – we're not going to have to bear hunt. So you won't have to walk too. up a mountain. Exactly. Well, I just it's it's just good and and you know I've I've got friends that work down at Felsenthal, the guys that I grew up with, and they just it's just they see more. That's down in the southeast part of Arkansas. Actually, goes down into Louisiana, and they see more and more. It used to be he would call me, man, I saw a bear today. Yeah. Now now when I talk to him, it's like you know once every. Month or two. How he many, only calls you when he sees black I said, panthers. How, how many bears have you seen? He's oh gosh, I don't know. I couldn't tell you how many. Yeah. You know, it's just it is absolutely remarkable at a place that I grew up and there's not many acres down there I didn't put a track on that you'd never saw a bear and now you see them. It's it's not unlike it's not uncommon anymore. Yeah. And it's yeah. It's an yeah, absolute testament. Are, it's a testament to the folks that Myron that Myron that that Myron works with. And all these folks around here that, that put some value on something and see the value in it, and they've been working for a long time to get it to where it's at now, and it's hats it's off just, to you. It's a yeah. testament to great bear conservation. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. And yeah, it just continues to be, you know, flagship species for the agency. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Continues to be a success story. Yeah. And it's good to see that Louisiana's getting a little, mm-hmm. after the whooping we put on them, couple of days ago yeah you're welcome for both of those things yes the bears and that bears and the whooping yeah no man i can't i can't reiterate enough how special it is that we have bears here and that we can hunt them like we can so i mean i'm like super grateful for that um hey thank you guys so much for being a part of the bear grease render This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. 
Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more.